Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Alan Cameron is a member of Saltbush Six and was an original band member for a certain artist known as Keith Urban. He recently released the single Father's Eyes. It's a really powerful, beautiful single, and we're going to talk about that and other things. Hi, Alan. Hi, Sophie. Hey, everybody, and thank you. Great to meet you and to talk about this song. And you released Father's Eyes in time for Father's Day this year. When did you actually write it? Uh, I actually wrote it... uh... In the 90s, I'm just, it was that sort of, you know, it's hard to remember, you know, the transition. But, um, yeah, I, I did write it a fair while ago, but um, and I did release it on a CD, mm-hmm. uh, an album <laughs> before streaming. Um, so I, now that I've been released, starting to release some more material and uh, have a streaming personality because, you know, to, to be able to stream, you had to have put a song up, which I'd put big noise, bright lights out early in the year, which I wrote with the late Marlon Holden from, used to be in Saltbush, used to be over there. And um, I I actually played this song, this version of the song to a few people like Michael McCartan and uh, uh, a very well-known musician and drummer up here. And and I said, what can I do to this to, to make it for now, you know, ready to put out? And he actually said nothing. So, which is very kind of him. Uh, that was a long way around to say that I, I just wanted to put it out again. And, and it wasn't actually that, the Father's Day thing was a coincidence in the end. Right. Um, obviously, when we realised, we were went with it. But, um, yeah, it was an important song to me. And I, and I think it's grown more important to me as I've examined uh, my life. Mm-hmm. How did it feel for you when you went back and listened to it, having recorded it that long ago? I mean, it sounds contemporary. I, I would never have guessed you actually. I, oh, so, yes. Yeah, so the recording's not quite that old. The, the recording's actually, uh, it's probably 10 years ago. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, that's the main reason I thought I'd, I'd want to do a new recording. Uh, obviously part of the process for for us is, is the fun of recording, you know, the joy of it. It can be hard work, but... Um, you know that's that process is what we sort of live for, uh, going into the studio. But yeah, I I, uh, I was worried because you know obviously people's tastes change, mm-hmm. but there's um, certain things that have come back around. So people are starting to like a little bit more ambient and and meaningful, um, not so full on production again. So that um, that was probably why it stood up. Yeah. And I'd also suggest that whenever you're singing or writing from the heart, that never goes out of style. And that's what this song is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And it was from a period when I was, for me, anyway, personally, I was I was writing some of my best songs that I, I was starting to write my best songs. Now, hopefully I'm still able to write good songs. But uh, I I'd found that that happy medium between talking about my own personal life mm-hmm. and being able to s- deliver that to people, you know, that hopefully it talks to them as well. Mm-hmm. That's really tough. 
Yeah, it is. But um, it's also the case, I think, that the personal, well, the specific can be really universal. And in this song, you are talking about your own father who died when you were Mm. seven. And I'm wondering when you wrote this song, if you felt as if you were that seven-year-old child or if you wrote it from the perspective of an adult looking back on what had happened. Yeah, looking back for sure. So one of the big problems I have um, was I actually don't have many memories of my dad. So, you know, I know some people remember when they were children really clearly. And um, for me, whether it was the trauma of him dying so young in a, in a car crash, so, and I don't know, obviously, this is one of the things I've been examining as I've grown older, mm. that um, I, I really do just have little flashes of memories and um, I, I, I could never understand why that was. Again, because a lot of people I talk to I remember when I mum picked me up when I was three. Uh, really, <laughs> no. So um, yeah, but that that um, and also the fact that um, as I became a teenager and then into my twenties, um, and I found music at, at age sixteen. I, I got my first guitar, and that just locked in what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I think that was the real catalyst that made me um, start examining everything because up until then I tried to be my dad, even though I wasn't even sure what that was. I knew he, well, he was a, an Aussie male who was a shearer and drove trucks and, you know, the quintessential Aussie male. And um, I suppose I tried to be that for a while and realised that wasn't who I was. You know, I'm from Tamworth, I'm from the land. My mother's family had a farm at Nemingar just outside of Tamworth until, well, you know, maybe 15 years ago. So um, we, we always lived in the country. And um, I just realised that I wasn't going to be a carpenter and I wasn't going to be an electrician. Um, and all those things are great. There's it, it, a cliche to say, there's nothing wrong with that. But... Um, <laughs> I couldn't be that person, you know, and, and I, I suppose I, I, you know, like a lot of people growing up in that time, there's a lot of drinking mm-hmm. it's, um, with um, everybody. And I, I didn't actually start drinking until I was in my 20s because of um, how I'd grown up. And um, I, I think that was a really good thing too because you were a little bit more sensible, I'd like to think. And it just helped with a lot of my decisions. Um, and then when I was, I was waffling a little bit, it was, I just started thinking as I became more of a, writing in more and more of my own songs, I, I, I needed to find out who I was, you know, mm-hmm. from all those memories. Well, and, you know, by not drinking till your 20s, you would have kept a few more brain cells than your peers quite possibly. Uh, very possibly. I, I stress possibly because then I went into touring bands. So right. I may have. Uh... <laughs> but I suppose it also gave you the opportunity to be the observer while you know your peers were running around being drunken young men, uh, fulfilling the, some of those stereotypes you're talking about, really. I mean, they might may, may well have been doing that because they thought that's what blokes did too. You got to observe that rather than being in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, look, and I was probably... Maybe maybe I wasn't quite the Stranger Things group of kids, but I was definitely part of the nerds. And um, I actually went, one of the things I do remember is my first day at school, 
I met my one of my best friends through all the way through school, a guy called Jim Minson or James Minson goes by these days. And he was John Minson's youngest son uh, who did started and, and did the hoedown uh, radio state, uh, radio show in Tamworth on 2DM for forever. And, um, and of course, Laurie's younger brother. And he was a beautiful and is a, a beautiful soul who, um, but we were definitely on the fringes mm. of, uh, of the, the cool kids at school. And he was a musician. He was a wonderful violinist who became a glass blower. So there was that arts thing all around. Mm. Um, so I just, yeah, I was never that sort of guy. I, I probably, when you do get into touring groups, you, you tend to try and become those people because so you can fit in. It's mm. exactly what you're saying. And that's, um, that's a lesson. I, I very much became a person I didn't want to be doing that. And right. um, I remember I actually, when Keith Urban came into the band I was in at the time called Rust in His Rockettes, and it was a party band. And, um, you know, we, we were one of the biggest bands in Queensland doing shows. And um, it was a start of a long journey, actually, because we, we knocked heads quite a bit because he was this young, talented guy who was really, um, really focused, really focused. So on, on being a musician, obviously on his career. Mm-hmm. And he was all about learning um, how to be better at, at being on stage and how to be a better songwriter. And that, that was actually a real turning point for me. I, at first, you wouldn't have known because I was... Um, very unsure of myself and I definitely we let's just say we clacked heads I had a bit of a temper I had a lot of a temper which I've worked on a lot since years I I I think that's probably something to do with my um losing my dad young too it's uh it's it's I am sort of trying to thought here because you're making me think a little bit and this is what um anyway sorry the um I don't need to apologise. It's all interesting. <laughs> yeah, look, so it's one of those things that, so we um, we were then in a band together called Three Magic Words after mm-hmm. that. And I, it was actually Keith Urban, Peter Clark and Marlon Holden. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when Keith started going out, uh, travelling to Nashville, he um, the guys asked me to come in. So, which was wonderful, and that was one around the time it was all starting to turn around, and um, I was learning more about songwriting because Keith was literally coming back from Nashville from being say in the MCA studio from re- recording songs, yeah. And um, this obviously Peter and Marlon and I became the core of Saltbush Six mm-hmm. um, five four or five years ago. And that was just the most wonderful circle. Um, so uh, we had Brad Hula Hooper, who'd also been with, done some shows and tours with Keith. And uh, so I'm, where am I getting to now? I'm getting to about 1990. This is, this is all coming back to the father's eyes. <laughs> the, the, um, so Keith went in Starmac. And we, I remember we were playing a gig up in Brisbane somewhere, the three of us one of the pubs late one night 
and obviously a Saturday night. Oh, no, it would have been a Sunday night back then. Um, and he won Star Maker. And we got the call straight away, can you jump in the car and come down and back him for all the promo shows? Oh, gosh. So um, that, yeah, that's, so that's a really, really important date because um, from that point in, we, we came down, we did all the stuff we'd known. We, we already knew some of the originals. Um, and I think I Never Work on a Sunday became the first single. And wow, that was that was the real start of my songwriting, mm-hmm. becoming a better songwriter journey. So I've been writing lots of songs and lots of bad songs, a couple of good songs. Um, and I loved it that Keith had learnt that Nashville thing of really being able to hone in on on a I, I, I want to say hit, but a good song, a great song, a really you know that speaks to your heart and um, has a great sing-along lyric. And uh, that really started me thinking about um, all those little memories that uh, came together in the songs. And how interesting that is, that there's like that vicarious education for you, really. O'Keefe went off and learned some things in Nashville and you were cluey enough to pick it up from whatever he was doing. And maybe just from what you were saying about the fact the two of you clashed a little bit, maybe that was, I don't know, that maybe a slight competitiveness with wanting to write as well as as he did. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And one of the things you do is, uh, again, this is what made me go down this deep, long path, is that... um, I, I, the stuff you don't think about at the time, you know, mm. at the time you're just angry. You just, you just react to things. You know, I remember being in the studio, we were recording um, some songs to, to mime at a TV show, Miss Surf Girl or something. It was it used to be a, a big TV uh, fundraiser show up here and uh, in Queensland. And um, I, I remember Keith distinctly, this is one of, one of my first, classy memories and it sticks in my head because later on I went I was wrong and I was an idiot so he, he said to me that's the wrong harmony and I went no it's not <laughs> that's you know getting me back up straight away you know yeah um and just really stupidly because um I used to be that sort of person who would think afterwards and, and hopefully the right thing you know and I like to think that i you know, come around pretty quickly, but I, I learned to be a better person and stop and think and go, eh, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's true. And you don't become a better at anything until you start, I think, until you really do just start being a nicer, uh, thoughtful person all around. You know, then I, uh, I got to be a better player. I realised that I wasn't as good a player as, as him. I realised, um, more importantly, I realised the focus that he had, you know, that um, when I start, I so I went in the Star Maker myself. Right. In 90, 90, uh, somewhere. But, um, and, and, you know, got to the big finals and the whole lot, but obviously didn't win it. Um, and by then it just was still just a great experience and happy I did it. Um, so that was a, that was that different person, you know. And from there I wrote, started to write Father's Eyes. I wrote my first tape album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
Um, I did some co-writing with Tanya uh, Kernigan back then because I was working with Lee, did a tour with Lee, and I played with Tanya for a few years and just wonderful experience. And that was a great uh, experience too. So all those little things, I, I, it, I learned how to write a lyric that you could sing, hopefully. And yeah, right. And Tanya is a wonderful person from what I can tell, so I imagine it was mm. lovely working with her. But it's interesting what you were saying about um, having a temper and wondering whether that was related to losing your father at such a young age. I think grief at any age makes people short-tempered. And, of course, when you're a kid... You don't know what's going on and there's probably no one to identify as that. And those those stereotypes we were mentioning about how young Australian men behave don't really offer you any opportunity to talk about grief either. So you were, you were kind of wedged into that, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, finally brings me back to the song probably that uh, <laughs> there's the last line in it um, is maybe a little more confronting because I do talk about that um, maybe obtusely that, that, that he made mistakes and, and I make mistakes, you know. So, so he, you know, I, I, I don't talk about it much, but he was a heavy drinker. Um, but when my mother passed away, we found some uh, newspaper articles and I had a brother who had passed away between my older sister and myself. Right. And there was actually, he'd been a story in the paper where he had been picked up by the police for drink driving uh, and it was the day my younger brother had passed away. You know, so that's that's all those things that you can just judge somebody for your whole life. Mm-hmm. You realise they're just people and there's a reason for it. That, um, you know, that maybe my mistakes haven't been the same. I, 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 but the yelling at people when I shouldn't have or just reacting, plenty of things I know I <laughs> need to atone for. But um, we're all just people and we're all trying to be better and we're all trying to get on. Um, and when you realise that, um, you can be a bit nicer to yourself. You know, you, I, you spend a lot of time just going, oh, I'm a horrible person. How could I have done that? And it's, you really need to stop doing that and just be a bit nicer. Be apologetic and be nice to people. But um, we're all human. Yeah. And it's also therefore about getting out of your own way as an artist, I think, because if you you put those sorts of emotions in your way, all that, that self-hatred, it does become a block or it can, well, mm. not necessarily it does, but I think it really can. And so in order to create more freely, it's better to free that up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's I, I used to run on, on emotion thinking I had to be excited and driven all the time. Um, so that that sort of helps to pull back um from to write to be a bit more introspective Mm -hmm. so I I actually had I have another song I was going to put out this year that's a real up-tempo song and um because I put out the song Big Noise Bright Lights earlier in the year that Marlon and I wrote together and I had this huge plan of um uh doing a run of really up-tempo dancey sing-along songs um, Saltbush Six did a tour run with uh, the Road Hammers, the Canadian band, Jason yeah. McCoy and the boys, and they were a profound effect on us. Just beautiful people, wild and funny, and a great show, you know, really exciting. And we're a fairly similar band. Um, and that's where Marlon and I started writing that big noise, Bright Lights. You know, we wanted some live songs and um, 
but of course we lost Marlon last year from cancer. And then Brad Hula Hooper, who was our other guitarist, unfortunately uh, passed away from cancer this year as well. And so we were, we were hurting. Um, so that's actually why I decided to, I wanted to put out Father's Eyes. Right. Because I wanted to talk to people and talk to myself about that sort of hurt, you know, that I, I um, sometimes you just want to sit back and sit and listen to something nice. And um, I'm trying to think of a better word, but a bit more middle of the road and, and more um, emotional and then get ready for a party. Yeah, but also something you can hear the lyrics to it. I think, um, you know, Australian artists like you who have grown up in and around country music are really articulate in the way they sing and it is a real compliment to the listener as well because every single word on your song is clear so therefore the story is clear and therefore your father comes through as a character. So that is something nice to listen to. Yeah, thank you. I I, uh, I hope so. You know, obviously the memories, that's, that you know, we're driving the truck being there when he he was a shearer, there they are those little snippets of memory, and that's yeah. Look, growing up in Tamworth, that was the thing I did get from country music very early on. Was obviously it's all about the story, and um, the uh, and I, and it still is to a certain exact certain extent. I mean, there's a lot of pop sort of stuff that's um, exactly where I was talking about. Just more about just having a good time and dancing. That's great too. But um, I think the best and the truest heart of country is telling your story and uh, telling other people's story too, of course. Mm -hmm. To do some of that too. Yeah. So you talked about um, thinking of another song to release this year. Are you looking ahead to writing or perhaps releasing some songs you've already written in the next few months? Yes. Uh, so I, I've actually got the, that that up tempo song um, into some people to see about getting a mix done. I, I I, I do want it, I'm looking at here and then overseas too because I want it to be the best it can be. Uh, and it's I, it's probably silly, but I'm not saying the title yet because I'm hoping it's really clever. But, <laughs> so I'll probably be fooled, pulling myself into that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's one thing to have, talk about the heart of music and the writing and all that, but you you still have to be so aware of the music business. Mm -hmm. So because um, before this year, I'd only released a couple of, uh, well, three albums, but CDs and tapes, you know, long before. I'd actually taken a long break for, from it because of Soulful 6, because mm -hmm. um, obviously we didn't want to be clashing with releasing our first album. Mm -hmm. And also because it costs a lot of money to put out an album and it used to cost a lot more but it still costs a lot of money, you know, so you need a little bit of a, I needed a break from that. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is um, if you haven't streamed a song before, you don't actually exist. So um, when I put up Big Noise, Bright Lights, I had been told this, but I had to find out myself that I didn't have um, what they call a, 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 you know, an artist profile on Spotify or Apple Music. Right. You have to have put out the song to get that. So, yeah, so if some of the audience are aware, you know, a pre-saves and uh, yeah. things like that, so of a single or of a preferred track, couldn't do any of that. Right. So in a way I just had to throw the song out. Yeah. Um, which was okay because it was, you know, it was also a bit of a tribute to Marlon because we'd written it together. Um, 
but yeah, so Father's Eyes was a bit more exciting because I could actually, you know, suddenly a couple of weeks beforehand, the the list came up from Spotify saying, would you like to submit your songs for playlists? And yes, please. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that's leading me to the fact that I, I, I actually have a third, need to have a third song out before I can get a, a proper uh, YouTube channel. I mean, I have my own YouTube channel, but to have yeah. a, you know, an official YouTube channel, you have to have three songs out. Right. Um, you also have, have, there's another reason for that, um, which is another, I'm, so I hope to put an album out next year, which will be uh, mainly new songs, but a few new versions mm-hmm. of uh, some of my older songs. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've had to plan putting out a few more songs as single, singles so that that has more weight when it uh, when I when I get it finished. Fantastic. Well, Alan, I, I have a lot more to ask you, but I am going to leave it there today because I'll keep something reserved for when your album's out and hopefully uh-huh. I can talk to you then. But it was really lovely to talk to you about Father's Eyes. I hope everyone goes and listens to that lovely single and uh, look forward to the next one. Thank you so much, Sophie. And I hope that speaks to them. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.